live at the Golden Circle Sports Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday. Getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, partying. Partying, partying. Yeah! All right, a little longer there. Not as loud. Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar, ESPN, Las Vegas. On the road as we are every Friday. Actually, a double dip here for Lotus Broadcasting. You can watch the VGK game uh, at the Ranges in New York. Right here at Treasure Island, 55-plus TVs, massive screens all over the place. Sportsbook is open. If you uh, miss the window to bet at the window, 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 then you can go to the betting kiosk. I bet 24-7, but yeah, Ryan Wallace and uh, uh, VGK IS show, I guess that would be, yeah, VGK Insider Show is here right across the way. So two shows on the scene. Why not? This is one of the best sports bars in all of Las Vegas on the Strip. Oh, no, we have to pay for parking. No, it's free. It's always free at Treasure Island and the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. The company is Willie. James is helping out with the setup down here back in our Finley Toyota Studios. It is Ari. I'm waiting with bated breath to hear what you have to say. What's going on? I was just going to add, because uh, my guy at the end there, James, and I, we've been here quite a bit since the start of football season. Not only is this the best sports book and bar to, to come down and hang out, the kitchen is outstanding. We've had breakfast and dinner here. You've, had, you've been here for... For the season on Fridays. I've probably had five, six different things. But these, I mean, they knock it out the park with these menus. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We're looking to cross over at Ryan Wallace down there. So, yeah, double dipping. I got some family over at the uh, Rangers Golden Knights game, by the way. Who? Uh, Jordan's mom with her husband and three. I still consider them family. They're family. You know. Where do they live? They live in Syracuse. What? But, but they went down for the ra- They went down for the weekend. And oh, really? And they're going to the Rangers Golden Knights game. They got three boys. So, yeah. I didn't get to watch New York news yesterday. I have no idea what it's like right now in New Jersey and New York weather-wise. Horrific? What do we know? What do we got? What do we got? Might be the same as it is here Vast in Vegas research in the crew. Look it up. 41 degrees. All right. Thank you. Write down, the, uh, write down my headphones. Immediately they got that. I went hiking yesterday. Oh, no. Scattered showers. I went hiking yesterday with, uh, with my guy Jesse Merrick from Channel 3. Mm-hmm. We got – it was – once you get going, right, and you're in the – you're going in and out. Mounds are sort of protective stuff. You know, and we're bundled up. But uh, got to the top of the mountain that overlooks the strip. Wind was whipping. Normally, really? we hang out there for about 15, 20 minutes, relax, enjoy, take it in. He, he kind of goes to one side. I go to the other. He kind of take it in. He's soaking in for a minute. Just get a little, maybe a little meditation. Kalua does his thing. He goes off to one corner of it. We all, do, we all find our, dude, we looked at each other like, okay, we're good. Five minutes, boop, boop, we're gone. By the way, this is like every phone call with my parents. Just talking weather. Oh, how's the weather? D- with the Jersey accent? A little bit, yeah. You threw that in, I caught it. I, yes, yes. <laughs> Have you been to the uh, garden? I did a little New York-Boston combo there. I've only been to the outs. I've never been in. No, really? That's one place I have to go. You I'm do, not, at, least one, at least once. Here's the thing. Born in Manhattan, moved out here as a very young boy. Been back to the city a couple times. The last time I was there was 2008. 
It was late July, two weeks. Can't stand the city. I don't, see that. A lot I don't, of don't, like I don't it. dislike it's New York in general. Like, like I have a respect and appreciate my birthplace, but what I don't like is like I was just sore. Back was sore. Legs were sore. There's a lot of walking. There's a lot of hustle and bustle. There's a, a lot of a lot of bumping. A lot of turning shoulders. There's a lot of people on the street. Yeah, I'll tell you if you if you haven't been and the uh, nights are taken on the Rangers here at four o'clock. If you haven't been, <laughs> if you haven't been to New York. Um, I just I always remember this. It's a silly note, but if you come into New York and go through Penn Station, which is actually under Madison Square Garden, when you come up the escalators on whatever street, you know I think it's I think Thirty Fourth is right there, or I think it's Eighth. Um, when you first come out, it's like things open up because you're underground, and then all of a sudden you're like, whoa! It's just this like cacophony. The sound, the people, and you're Everything, whoa, like right, it, right into it, and then uh, the garden's right there. So, I it's, um, a neat, it's a neat place to play, and I'm sure for the players that you know, they, eventually they, they get used to it pretty quickly. But for fans who've never been there, it's it's a unique venue. My favorite part of that trip was well, there was a couple of going to Katz's Deli, which I feel is 100 necessary. Uh, hitting Little Italy, and. Ferraro's, Ferraro's, of course. And then there is uh, there was the Sopranos tour in which it starts, I think, in the fashion district. And then it takes you over the bridge. And the, the, the way that it takes you into Jersey is the same entrance of the intro to the show. So you're passing, you know, over the bridge and then it takes you by certain spots. The best part about that whole tour, there's a guy at the front of the bus with the microphone. And he's and he's doing the and then he does okay throughout the throughout the tour we're gonna do a trivia contest. It got to the point where he had to give me the Cofield hand. Yeah, like you can't go again, Willie. Yeah, you can't go again. It's too and, much. And then when someone couldn't get it or the two three people wrong, they went. He just went Willie. And then I oh wow, it was strong. It's a proud moment for you. Yeah, nobody could get the the best one obviously to start things off was who was the very first character ever to appear in the show. Who was it? Doctor Melfi. She opens the door and she says, "Mr. Soprano." Nice, he's sitting, yeah. nice. Willie Cofield, big weekend, championship weekend. That's on Sunday. We got a big double dip for UNLV day night doubleheader. Lady Rebels at two, Running Rebels at seven. We're going to talk to someone who covers the Wolf Pack in the four o'clock hour. But we've got Curtis Terry here, former former Rebels in. Down with us at Treasure Island. He laughed. He's into this rivalry. Uh, but before any of that, before the game, I saw Curtis over at practice today, and we got a chance to talk to uh, Kevin Kruger and also Shane Noel. So we'll talk about Shane in a couple minutes. But I really asked Curtis to come on today to talk sneakers. So I brought up your conversation. No, I brought up the conversation. Remember John Sandler, uh, I think like three home games back, was talking about guys and their ankles. Oh, and how yeah. come they don't wear high tops anymore? <laughs> and you almost started laughing at him and also at me because I'm an older guy. Uh. You want to explain what was going down there when you mentioned the high tops? Because, by the way, <laughs> Willie did it the other day. He was like, yeah, lacing up the high tops. And I looked at him. I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't think you're supposed to, supposed to reference well, high tops we were anymore. Talking, let me, let me <laughs> put it in context before you. Okay, you before I get thrown under the bus, what I had said was I had brought up the word, which I had to break down and explain for young Cofield here. Uh-oh. You'll appreciate this, is that we were talking about high ankle sprains. Okay. 
Okay, hence Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. Right. And I was explaining how it's likening it to basketball. And when a basketball rolls the ankle, you immediately tape it up because what happens when you take off the high tops? It swells, it, up. It swells up. So right. I was just talking it in context. Yeah. And then about two minutes later, he goes, <laughs> let me go back for that's a second. That's what, by and the then way, I immediately that's got bored. And that's the way I do it. Too. But, in general, <laughs> but in general, yeah. you know exactly what I'm talking about. You yeah. tape that thing up during the game because yeah. the adrenaline's running. It's going to stay. But the second it comes off after right. the game, right. it blows yeah. up. Yeah, even football players. I mean, they... I mean, they 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 retape it or they spat the shoes, right? That's when they tape over oh, yeah. over the cleat and they tape the ankle because once you take it off, I mean, it's going to swell up. So well, that's a good term. Is that the official term? I've spat, never heard that before. Yeah, spatting, oh, yeah. spatting the cleat. I need that on the and, sidelines and, next year. And 50s, 60s, old style zoot suits, whatever they spats are shoes. Oh, did you know that? Oh, wow. Is that because like a lot the, of the toe was white, but the rest of it was black, or I, vice versa? I, I, it may be the style. I'm not sure. Okay. Or if they, I or, got, or like, yeah, like the or, first game or, report ready to go. Right? I, write, yeah, I write these out. Right to my ideas. Know, out. I got it. <laughs> yeah. Spat. I'm using so, spat. Yeah. So I don't know. Somebody rolled an ankle, um, but John was like, "Yeah." But I, mean, he said, I don't know. I can't remember what he said because I just it came. It went in he one said, day. He basically said, "Why don't why don't guys wear high tops anymore to protect their ankles?" And and then you guys got into the conversation about everyone wearing mids. They're not cool. Um, number one, I think very kids cool. would say. Um, They're very cool. But then you're, you're just, there's not as much agility or mobility within the shoe, I would say. So most kids now, and like I never wore low-top sneakers. I do when I'm just out and about because I think I've got good ankles, thanks to, thanks to my mom, Patty, who's listening probably. Um, but, yeah, I used to wear mids, but I would always have my ankles taped. Uh, my dad wore the Chuck Taylors, the high tops, with ankle braces and all the whole, the whole nine. Um, yeah, but kids don't really wear high tops anymore. They wear mids. Like the Kyrie's are mids, Kevin Durant's are summer mids or so lows. LeBron's now are kind of mid lows. So when they came out, though, see when they came out, so you had low tops, you had high tops. Yeah, there was no mids when they came. Well, when they first came out, they just called them three quarters, three quarter tops. Right. So you had high tops, three quarter tops, right, right. low tops. Right now, it's just low tops, mids because there yeah. is no there's high tops. There's few high tops. I think the one there's like the Jordan. Jordan makes these are Jordan one lows. Right. He makes mids, but he makes high tops as well. And you can tell just because they have just like another set for you to lace them up, but they, nobody's hooping in those. You, you need to ask. I, I will. When I worked, when <laughs> the I worked, reason, let me explain. The reason I will, and I actually, I don't think I ever. There were a couple things I wanted to talk about in that game, and I just I didn't have the chance to. Um, one, I like high tops, and I like wearing black socks as high as I can because I think it's a deception <laughs> thing. Because people look at that and they're like, "Boy, that person looks slow. What a freaking dork!" Yeah, and then maybe you're a tick faster, right. so you can throw them off with your shoes. But the other thing I wanted to reference, and Willie might like this is I wanted to go way back because you mentioned the Jordan high tops. I wanted to go way back to Georgetown days because I don't think high tops really work in terms of protecting your ankle. They just, they don't. But there was, there were some cases where uh, there were, it was Michael Graham and another guy named Ralph Dalton and Dalton was the big man behind Ewing and they had some kind of ankle problem and I don't know why Nike came up with it, but I'm telling you, they were like, it was like ladies boots. Like, like I'll show you a picture during the break. It was like, it it was like mid calf. Oh, you want like, to talk about like, looking like a slow dork. Or like pretty woman boots. I think my all-time favorite <laughs> high close. topic back then in the 80s, because I worked at a store in the boulevard before their footlocker came to, to town. It was the athlete's foot. Oh, yeah. I remember that. And I remember when we first got in weapons, Converse weapons. Oh, Ask yeah. your brother yeah. or, or pops my, my about that. My dad definitely knows those. They were magic. Yeah. They were. And, and here's the thing. The design, the idea reminds me of the Jordan 1s like and I'm not saying they took it from that but right. that was the idea but the, behind the, the so it was Laker colors it was white with the with the with the uh, the gold purple trim and then you had Larry Birds yeah yeah was in green right and 
I'm trying to think who's it, somebody's was black, and I don't remember if it was Julius Irving's, but the Converse weapons were some serious, thick, heavy high tops back in the day. <laughs> yeah, Are you showing do, them? Yeah, right? they do kind of. Those like aren't that. the super high ones. I'm, I'm going to get the super high ones, but oh, Ralph right. Dalton just did like a a piece on the they called it the Nike Terminator. Oh, the Terminator. The 82 to 86. So Curtis Terry's here with us. Now, I want to break down the game against. Uh, Nevada, and also where the rivalry is right now, and talk about Shane Noel, one of the guys who is emerging with a couple minutes. But we'll take a, a quick time out here. We're live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Curtis Terry is getting us ready for the big rivalry games tomorrow. Willie Ramirez is here as well. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Willie G Ramirez, or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. They have Purdy on such a cheap contract, and they have Trey Lance on such an affordable contract that there's a way logistically for them to keep everybody in-house and bring in Brady if they want to. Absent that, you're probably looking at Brock Purdy and Trey Lance both on the Niners roster in 2023. And whether or not they declare a starter, I think, could boil down to how the next couple of weeks play out. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. All right, we're going to hit that in about 10 minutes. I mean, there's a possibility that Brock Purdy could play like crap, be a complete <laughs> disaster this weekend, and be the third stringer next year. I love that. I love that idea. Curtis Terry is with us. We're talking basketball. Willie's here as well. Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Can I jump in? Yes, of course. So, of course, I told you guys – Patty, my mom, she's watching. She li- or she's listening. She listens to everything I do. Yeah, good. And she texts me. She said, yep, I'm listening. But she said, spats is an abbreviation for spatterdash, which were worn over shoes to protect them. Oh, there you go. So I think Willie was kind of on the same path, but that's why they tape. I guess they tape over the cleats. And I saw you bobbing your head. That, that, uh, when I heard first heard that beat on the rejoin, I was kind of waiting for the Fat Albert theme, no? Oh, I was thinking. That's what I was waiting on. That was a nice little beat. Anyway, well, we got that down. Anyways, how far up do you think the kids are now in the Nevada UNLV rivalry? I was thinking about it today, and I was going to ask Kruger about it, but some uh-huh. others were asking different questions. I always wonder because I think, say the last five six years, the the angle always was the UNLV kids just don't care as much as the Reno kids. But it's Alford now; he doesn't really have any ties to Nevada. No. It's not like their team is loaded with. Right. Nevada players. I also don't think that Nevada looks at this as like, hey, we're the little brother anymore. I think that was well, part of the motivation is they're, they're pissed off, you know, disrespected. Well, they should feel like they're the little brother. Is that they, right? They you are. They are. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to let that be known right now. I'm just going to clear the air. They are. Um, <laughs> but, again, I think – and I think this is – we've talked about this before, but, like, with now, with the way college basketball and college athletics are, the transfer portal, I think it, it's it, – it, it minimizes the value of rivalries because some kids are only there for one, maybe two years. Uh, the kids that come in and are there for multiple years, like Keyshawn Gilbert, probably means more to Keyshawn than right. it does to other guys. I bet you it means something to Darian Williams, who was here last year, Bishop Gorman, oh, for sure. and landed right. with the pack, and right. it's pretty good. So, so like him and Keyshawn, it's going to yeah. mean something to him and Keyshawn. Yep. Uh, Jordan McCabe, he's been for, been here for a couple years. It's going to mean something to those guys, but to everybody else, I don't think it means as much. But I know it means a lot to the people in the, in the cities of, of oh, yeah. Las yeah. Vegas and Reno. It means a lot the up community. there to their fans. Yeah. It's, it, it just doesn't. I kind of know where Steve's coming from in terms of you. You, you know it's the rivalry. You know it's the in-state rivalry, right. but it doesn't carry the old-school vibe, the build-up, the the hype. The you know it's, yeah. it doesn't feel like that anymore. And I'll and I'll say this. I would say like I mean obviously football this past season they won the cannon right. Um, and so I think. Can I say I actually think it's bigger in football now? You only, but you only play once a year though too. I think that has something to do with it. 
right? I think it's bigger in football yeah. because there's there's more hometown kids on both teams. Well, yeah, I think I, I think yeah, either you have kids on the, that are local kids that have yep. that it means something to, or you have kids that have been there for a long time. And in basketball, you're not going to get too. kids that yep. have been there a long time, so they don't it doesn't build up and like they don't hate them. Like the school up north, I can't stand them. I and wonder. so that's, like that's all you have to do is go to the road venue, and there's you know there's going to be at least hundreds or thousands of people at the game who are mother blanking you, yeah. and then you start to get it how nasty it is. I've even got family in town that live in town that are born and raised here, but they went to the school up north. Yeah, and they asked me for tickets. I'm like, well, you can come to the game on Saturday, but you better not wear any blue. You better be red. So I mean, that's that's how we get down. There was one day I was at Rebel Park for a football game, not even thinking about it, not football game for a football practice during uh, rivalry week. Right, wasn't even thinking about it. Just threw on some clothes, whatever, and I had a blue shirt on. Uh, Tony Sanchez just walked right past me. He goes, "Nope, not talking to you." And blue, I respect it. Kept going. Like it, it must even be weird for. Alford, because he wore that stupid red jacket at New Mexico the whole time, and now now he's like, I can't use this because they want to murder me here. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, well, so the other person I know it means something to, and this has got to be a, this is probably a funny one. He's probably feeling mixed emotions right now. He's feeling divided. Is Justin Hawkins because Jay Hawkins yeah. assistant coach Dude, up there? Can I tell you, yeah. he came over from Pacific. Yeah, yeah. Just, Justin Hawkins but former I, Rebel. I know every, he bleeds Rebel red time, like I do. Every time you mention him on the broadcast, I do. I get a little annoyed. Not at you, but I'm like, because mm. well, he went there, because he's there. But, I mean, I you did, take the opportunity. I did too, to, and you, I told him get. that. As soon as he got the job, I texted him. Um, then he responded, so I called him right away. I was like, congratulations, man. He's like, thanks. I was like, but really? you had that's Of all places, that's where you wanted to go? He's like, man, I know. but Did he have any other offers? Uh, I don't know, but that was he said that was the best move for him at the time. I respect that. I was like, but I'm sorry. We're going to have to kick your guys' butt twice this year. I mean, it is what it is, but he, he knows it. So let's talk about the season and the setup to this game. So the Rebels come out of the gates, 10-0, uh, 11-1. I think I have that right. Um, there is no way I thought – that before this game, 10 games later, we'd want to talk about Keyshawn Hall and Shane Noel being mixed into the lineup. But it shows how much the season has changed and rotations have needed to change. Let's start with Keyshawn Hall and what he's done offensively, but also what happens defensively because of his size. Yeah, big key. I mean, I don't think when we went to – so John and I got to go on the trip to Canada, that preseason exhibition, and, and we got to see the team. And, and Keyshawn Hall played a ton of minutes up there, as did a lot of guys. And you're like, wow, this kid's – first of all, he's a, he's a big kid. He's a big teddy bear. He's the softest, sweetest kid. He's got some size, but he moves much better than you would think he would at his size. But he can score the ball. Um, he can create off the bounce. He can shoot. You could tell once the season started that it just – there was a disconnect in terms of like the – the learning curve and being able to be efficient and effective against bigger, older, more experienced college guys. Uh, but when Kevin put him in that game of a few games ago at uh, Utah, Utah State, State, I mean, he came out there like he had been there before. He just drugged the big way from the basket, jab, stab, triple threat, got to the basket, finished, played great on defense. Plus, he just he destroyed veteran older guys on the blocks. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's part of dude just with his with his ability at his size and his offensive skill set because he's they call him big guard for a reason because he's got the skill set of a guard. He's just in a big teddy bear body. Um, but I didn't see it coming as it did as of for now because now he's going to become a focal point of what they do because he's, he can, he's an instant mismatch on both ends of the floor, but he can guard good enough to not be exposed on the other end. But it does change things on the other end because yeah. you saw at, at Fresno, I, know you, well, I don't know how much of the game you watch afterwards because you were at a wedding, but Curtis, second half, uh, you know, Justin Hudson's a really smart coach. Right. Second half, they're like, we're just going to drag him outside, yeah. get him stuck on a guard, and let's go. Yeah, and I, th- and I think so that's part of the, I mean, that's part of the chess match in terms of being a coach. And from what I understood is that's what they kind of started to do, kind of like Coach Kevin has done in the past in the season. He starts to find and, and you hunt mismatches in terms of you doing that with the pick and roll. And so it sounds like they kind of started to ISO 
big key. They and, did almost the same exact thing that you pointed out when UNLV played Southern Illinois, and their yeah. best player was a you know six five six six power guy. But in that case, it wasn't that he couldn't defend. They're like, we're going to make you defend, right. so you gas and don't play offense. Yeah, and that's huge. And so I think for him, he he's not there yet in terms of being able to slide his feet. So I think as he gets older, his body continues to mature and he continues to develop. He'll be able to, to guard smaller guards. Yeah. But I don't think he's there yet. But again, I think that's why we saw in this last game, Kevin, Coach Kevin went to not just switching five; they went to switching four and long showing or hedging on that big, small pick and roll. So that way you don't get your big guy mismatched onto those smaller guards. I want to get Willie in here because I want to talk about fitness. I don't know if you saw it the other day. I don't even know where I saw it. But Keyshawn Hall, there was a picture taken of him at practice pulling his shirt up. He's actually not fat. Like, he's pretty ripped for a guy that size. And I'm like, wait, I, I, I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, but I, I assumed he had a belly and he was kind of bulky. But he carries most of his weight in his, lower in his trunk you know, in his, right. and his and his legs. So well, that disappoints me. Is this dad bot over here? Right, I was young like, kid. I God, I hope he has a belly. I thought I had something I'm like, on some What is this? He's two sixty and he's kind of ripped. Well, it's good for him. He's just yeah. Well, but uh, it also <laughs> it, should, it should get Rebel fans excited because if we can trim down a little bit on um, the bottom and get to like two forty. Imagine the player he can be because he can also play defense. You may understand this reference, but like kids used to say, "thicker than a Snickers." Yeah, right. And so, so maybe key, maybe be well, well, just thicker actually, than Snickers. Well, actually, it, it, it ended with the. Uh, see, this is where I have to correct you that it's it's the A. You don't end with the hard ER. Well, Snickers. I know you, you don't do know that candy reference, bars. but thicker than a Snicker. Well, well, with candy bars, you can Snickers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, uh, I love that forty-six-year-old uh, uh, Ari back in studio said, "How old are y'all?" Not as old as you're an old man, bro. We don't. We have still have no idea if Ari is 28 or 53. I'm old enough to know that phrase is old. Old enough to party. Okay. (laughs) I like the so so turning to James. Old enough to know not to use y'all. Yo. Ah, there you go. Curtis Terry's with us. Willie Ramirez. All right, let's talk about another guy who's getting minutes, and it's it's really just recently, right? Because Luis Rodriguez has some sort of groin injury. He got freaking nailed in the right leg, and I think it blew up a little bit. So Shane Noel's playing, right. and Noel's one of those guys we watch. We're like, all right, transfer from Arizona, right. didn't get minutes there, six six. You always say basically he's built almost exactly like Lou Rod, who's a, little a big, bit bigger. big, strong guy, right. and he hadn't been playing. And you just get the sense with Kruger, he's very tight on, hey, if you can't defend, right. I can't have you on the floor. So now they, they had to put him out there, and he defended. He played 18 minutes. He had a couple of threes. And I, I know you – I can tell in the broadcast, you're, like, a really big fan of the kid because yeah. of his backstory and then sure. his connection to your brother. Right. Yeah, I, and I'm big on the kid because he's, he's, he's a kid from Seattle. So we, we're, we're both from the same hometown, Seattle, Tacoma area. Um, just like when David Jenkins was here. I'm, I'm big fans of all of those kids naturally because they're the hometown kids. I want nobody to see, succeed more than those kids from back home because I can relate. Um, with, with Shane, I mean, he was a top 100 kid, had multiple offers across all Power 5 conferences, went to Arizona. Um, large part because Jason was there in their relationship. But he goes there, and he doesn't get to play a lot. But he also played behind Ben Matherin, who became a top-five pick that year. So what I was told is that in practice, he had to guard Ben every day, and he basically was holding his own and shutting him down. So the kid can guard if he wants to guard. Um, But, again, if you're playing against a guy that's a top-five pick, you probably shouldn't expect to play too much. But I think when he came here, then, again, he's playing behind Luis Rodriguez and Elijah Parquet, who, I mean, EP's an all-pack 12 defender. Um, a Lou Rod, what he did at, at, at the SEC, and then now being able to have a chance here at an expanded role. There's just not many minutes. So I think there's a lot of frustration on his part of just not having what you say, like an opportunity or given the chance. 
But I will give the kid credit. He's, he's stuck in there. Because, again, it can be easy. Like, man, at these days and age, I can throw in the white flag. I can transfer. They I can both play did. some roles right away. Keyshawn right? Hall did, too. And, he, you know, he was sending out tweets. And I'm, I'm looking at him like, wait, is he getting ready to leave? I thought he was going to transfer in the middle of the year. And, and you I, can do that Because he just kept saying, you know, my time is coming. Right. But I guess maybe that's what the message he was getting from hey, the coaches. And, like, and like keep they working. say, patience is a virtue. But I'll give it to Shane. He, he really was, was patient enough, and he found a way to, to stick with it. And it really it, it opened up for him the other night um, in that game. Knocked down a couple threes, played 17 minutes. And, and I think it's hopefully there's a bigger role going to come for him um, as long as he continues to work hard. Can you stick around for five more? Yeah. Curtis sure. Terry's with us. CT's down here at Treasure Island as we're getting ready for UNLV and the Wolfpack tomorrow. Seven o'clock starts. Double dip, too. Uh, the women are playing at two o'clock. They've got uh, dollar tickets available uh, through today. Two dollar beers over at Cox Pavilion and then more specials as they're giving away T-shirts at the women's game, T-shirts at the men's game. They're going to have the big Rebel Fest out front brought to you by Toyota. So make it a day down at UNLV and root on both the Lady Rebels and the Running Rebels. The Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. There's nothing like a football Friday at Treasure Island. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Rivalry game is back tomorrow as uh, Reno is in town to take on UNLV. It's the first of two. It's also the final game of the season for both teams at the beginning of March up there. Curtis Terry with us. Willie's here. Willie, I know you wanted to talk about the schedule and what they can do down the stretch. They you know, finally snap out of the, the four-game losing streak. They're only 2-6 and six in the Mountain West Conference. They've got to get some work done. They do, and you would think that coming off that win, that maybe looking at the schedule, it could be a little bit challenging in, in the fact that they're home, and they go on the road, and then they're back, and then they're back on the road, whereas I tend to think leading up to San Diego State, Curtis, from you, from a player standpoint, considering the teams they're playing, you got the rivalry game tomorrow. Then you go to Fort Collins against the team that beat this team, right, with a, with a buzzer-beating heave, right. and then another game-winning shot in overtime. Right. So there's going to be revenge on the brain. That's going to be still stinging. You come home to play Fresno State, which you're going to want revenge from. Right. Then you go on the road to beat Wyoming, and I think you're going to sort of relish in if you feed off three wins possibly, which would be, what, a four-game win streak – um, it, it, it looks on the surface like it would be a tough travel, right. but in reality, because of the opponents and the situations from a player standpoint, could this actually be a motivational run? I, th- I think the way the schedule is shaken up, the Rebels, I mean, they're in a good spot. And I don't want to you know, look too far down the line, but if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be this guy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they're only four and, a half, four and a half games out of first place right now. Um, before tomorrow's game, they've got ten games left. After tomorrow, they're at the halfway point. And the way it plays out, you don't have New Mexico coming here. So, that, again, another team that's at the top. You don't have to see them. You already knocked them off. Um, but like you said, you get Reno here, who's at the top of the standings. You go to Fort Collins, and you owe them one because they stole one. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's robbery. I mean, what they yeah. did, they came in here and took that one. Um, but then, the way, then you get to go to, where was it? You go to uh, Fresno. Or you got Fresno coming here. Fresno here. And then and you then go to Wyoming, Wyoming. And then you go to San Diego State. And the way that plays out, you could be running on a three, four game win streak heading into that, and then you got San Jose State after that. So you have the opportunity to make up a lot of ground on a game, a bunch of games you gave away. The only downside of that is you gave a lot of games away at home, which yep. in my theory has always been in the Mountain West Conference. You have to hold serve at home and split on the road, and then you're automatically in the top four of the standings, just the way the numbers work out. So they've got to do some work to get back there. But I think if this team can stay healthy or they can get healthy 
and they kind of regel and, and get strong at mid-February heading into March, they could be in a really good spot to, to have a chance to run the table in the conference tournament. And everybody knows at this stage of the game, the way that January played out, that's what they're going to have to do. Well, it's going to happen tomorrow. And I look at Nevada's lineup. They don't turn it over, but I, I still look at them like they should be able to turn them over. The Rebels should. I don't love Keenan Blackshear at 6'6 and 220 playing point guard. Lucas really isn't a point guard. They've right. got a backup in Pettigrew right. who's more of a point guard. I think there should be opportunities to hurry him up and get him sloppy, but to this point, no one has been able to do that. Right, and I, and I'll, and I think to, to the Rebels' credit is that the Rebels haven't had the chance to play Reno either, and so I think... They, if anybody's going to be able to speed them up, it's going to be UNLV. I think the way they play, and I think they're starting to get back to some of that just that grittiness on defense, that stinginess, I should say, um, because that's that's the best chance that they have. But the way that they shared the ball the other night, I mean, that's the best that they've played offensively in a while. And then today, seeing that practice, the way that they were zipping the ball around, they were making the they were driving and kicking, making the extra pass. I think they're starting to, to get some of that confidence back, and it doesn't take much. Again, it just takes maybe getting that win. They got the monkey off their back, so I think they're going to be in a position to. to to get back to what they were doing in that non-conference stretch and now having gone through the half, first half of the season saying, wow, this first half of Mount West play, we gave a lot away. It was more so us than them. So hopefully they can really kind of try to, to rein that in and be in a position to, to go on a run here. But they're going to have to get back to playing that stingy, not giving up anything defense, and then being able to have multiple guys contribute like Jordan McCabe, if it's Keyshawn Hall, Luis Rodriguez. Everybody's going to have to get on board on that offensively. All right, Curtis, good spot. We'll see you tomorrow. Appreciate you coming down. I'll be there, of course, guys. Uh, Curtis, nice enough to come down to the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar here inside of Treasure Island. On the way back, we'll get to the NFL playoffs, a little more on the Raiders and the uh, the quarterback rumors, which seemingly change every day. Former Oakland Raider Stanford Route is on the way. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Willie G. Ramirez or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. I'm concerned about it, but but the way I saw Mahomes moving around and the way he's looked, you know, it, it doesn't. I don't. I don't think it's going to be as big a factor as people think think it is. I think he will run a little bit. I think he'll stay in the pocket, but uh, I'm not as concerned about Mahomes as I was after that game. It's time for former Oakland Raider and NFL insider Stanford Rout on Cofield and Company. Maybe Willie Rofe has some sources on the Chiefs. After all, he did play for the Chiefs. I, I'm not so confident that Mahomes is going to be able to run around. Let's bring in Stanford Route to talk about the Final Four in the NFL. Stanford, of course, played in Kansas City, also played in Oakland. Stanford, how you doing, buddy? Pretty good, pretty good, fellas. Happy Friday to you. I mean, we're all just guessing here, all putting on, uh, you know, whatever, uh, the sesoscope. I can never say it, but we're all acting like doctors we don't really know. We didn't really get a look at practice. I mean, where do we think Mahomes is going into this game, and can he do the full range of activities at quarterback he normally does? Oh, well, I think that uh, we're having a high ankle sprain. I think that he's going to be able to play just from the simple fact that he's playing the quarterback position. He's not out playing a corner receiver or something like that. So he's going to be able to play. There's no doubt about that. Is he going to be as mobile? Is he going to be able to be as elusive as he has been? Obviously, is what we've known him to be. That, to me, is going to be a stretch. I'm not sure he's going to be as mobile. He's going to be as fluid with how he is in the pocket just because that high ankle sprain, that's not something that you can just go ahead and completely have 100% healed in seven days. It just does not simply does not work like that. So I do believe he's going to be hobbled or should I say limited to a certain extent whenever he goes to actually put pressure 
on that leg, would put pressure on that ankle. That's where he's going to feel how those ligaments, how those joints, they're still going to be a little bit sore with that blood flushing right there to that point where um, where he sprained it. So he's going to be able to play, no doubt about it. But is he going to be the same Pat Mahomes 100% that we've known him to be? That right there is a stretch in my opinion. Yeah, and I think it changes the way you play defense against them too because normally your ends are not going to freaking pin their ear backs, uh, ears back because they got to protect the edge. Um, and in this case, maybe they can just rush hard and not worry about him escaping the pocket because he simply can't. If I'm, if I'm playing the Kansas City Chiefs this coming weekend, the Cincinnati Bengals, I am, I am definitely pressuring Pat Mahomes from – from the uh, from inside the pocket. I'm sorry, from directly up the middle. I okay. want to push him out. I Ooh. want to go ahead and have him evade the pocket, get out on the edges because he's not going to be as mobile because, trust me, he is going to be favoring that high ankle sprain. He's going to be thinking about that. So he will not have the same type of elusiveness out there. So now we're usually – when he gets outside of the pocket, that's when he gets deadly because, yep. you know, he can throw it with his left arm. He can fling it like it's a like it's a baseball and all those, you know, crazy acrobatic things that he's able to do. Well, right now, he's not going to be able to do it as easily because he's not going to be as mobile. So now you want him to be outside the pocket because that's where he's going to become a fish out of water rather than him being in his element. He does the Believe in Raiders podcast with Dennis Ackerman. You can find it on all the podcast platforms. Believe in Raiders podcast. It's Stanford Route, the former Raider, the former Chief. We're talking about Kansas City and Cincy going at it. Take us into the locker room when you've got a situation as a defensive player when you know the quarterback is hurt. I'm not saying there has to be open conversation about it, but maybe there's some whispers. Hey, we know where this guy's hurt. Let's take him out. I mean, let's take him out. Well, I'm, not, I'm not saying go Greg Williams and do bounties, but, I mean, I'll go even further uh, because I'm an animal uh, and a sore loser. Like, I might go out there and just go, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit him low, and I don't care. Flag me. But it's to me, it's worth it. Get him out. Get him out. Get him off the field. And, hey, listen. <laughs> right? I, I mean, definitely poor sportsmanship, but too that. bad. Too bad. And, 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 listen, in this game, if you know that you're going against somebody that has a certain ailment, yeah. Yep. If you go up to try to tackle them, you may try to aim in that general region of that area because you know that they're already ailing. You know that they're already bruised. So, yes, you're definitely going to go and try to do whatever you can to gain an advantage anything short of you know bounty gate so i definitely understand exactly what you're saying steve because right now you have the opportunity to now go back to the super bowl and hopefully try to right the ship from losing it last year if they get the cincinnati Bengals. so you have to do what you have to do in this game because i promise you this as a corner if they know that you got a sore hamstring if they know that you're a little bit ailed over there with one of your extremities, you best believe that offensive coordinator is going to make sure that he tries to exploit that. So as a defender, yes, if there's a if there's a situation where it's a pile up, you know what? I might get up a little bit slow and I might use one of your lower extremities to go ahead and try to propel myself up by pushing down on it as I'm trying to get up from the pocket, things like that. So, yeah, you're going to always try to uh, you're going to try to always enforce those intricate tricks to the trade to try to gain whatever advantage you can. I like that. Very delicate answer there. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. <laughs> you yeah. Willie, Willie and I, you know, today we're sitting down. We're in studio. We stand the whole time. 
you know, Willie's cutting me off. He's busting my chops. Uh, he had an injury a while back, a surgery. I, I got no problem, you know, walking over and kind of like faking a trip right into your legs. I don't care, Willie. No. I'll, I'll take you down <laughs> and on I, your weak point. And I have no problem with <laughs> I that. I don't care. Because I have no problem with that. I have no problem That's with not. that because <laughs> Steve, with that belly of his, yep. is a hernia candidate. And yeah, if, an so elbow happens, if an elbow happens to go somewhere... Well, you never know. You might just have a burst. Uh, now I feel like we've actually been sizing each other up. What the hell's going on here? <laughs> I was joking. I think Willie was serious. <laughs> well, this is a guy who this is a guy Stanford who watches the slap competition, oh, and, he, and he probably watches highlights if he misses it, streams it, and uh, goes on YouTube and watches it. So I mean, this dude is violent. Yeah, I'm vicious. Have you? Uh, by the way, Stanford, have you seen the slap fighting that uh, you know it's been around for a while? But Dana White put together his own league, the UFC guy Dana White, and now it's on TBS. Have you seen? Some of the slap fighting stuff? I must admit, I have started to watch some of the slap competitions. Of and oh, it's so crazy because there's no way in H-E double you-know-what that I could ever be a part of a slap competition. And when I see those guys hit the ground yeah, the way that they do, and for me, it's whenever the slapper sizes you up, like he'll go ahead and do kind of like a practice swing. Up. Like, yeah, yeah. the wind-up. And then it, that, it's the, it's that just already puts my anxiety yep, yep. at an all-time high. I love so it. Just, it. <laughs> just watching it, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, oh, yep. It's one thing you get into a bar fight. You get into some sort of scuffle in a, in a back alley. You got to defend yourself. That's one thing. You're fighting. So, yep. you know, that sort of thing happens. He might connect with your face. But when you're standing there and he's winding up, and he's doing kind of like that check swing, that practice swing that a baseball player does in the batter's box. And you already know that it's coming. He's sizing it up to make sure that he gets the exact part of his hand that he wants right there smack dab on your cheek. That, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I just can't do that. I, I, my anxiety. No, I, I'm sorry. I can't do that. Stanford, you have never held back you've always been up front you've always been honest we've always picked up what you're laying down from your nfl career 2005 2013 they all of a sudden decide we are going to have nfl players for a weekend slap competition which player from your era do you want to go against and slap Ooh. who does oh, he want to take wow. out who does he want to take out yep who hmm. do you want to take interesting out? who a slap competition yeah. with someone you really didn't that really somebody, annoyed you. Somebody that just annoyed right. you. Just what wide receiver? Like what somebody? There's got to be someone who you. You know what? Oh, put him up goodness. against me. Yeah, come on now. Don't hold oh, back. Oh man, you know. Okay, okay. I'll tell you this. Uh, I will say it probably would be. Uh, I would probably have to go with. Let me think, because it, it, it's a quarterback. I would probably have to go with. Off the top of my head, was pro I'd probably say Philip Rivers. I'm with you. I'm good. Can I bet and, on you? Let me know when that happens so and, I can bet on you. And, and, and because Philip Rivers was the one quarterback in my division, I just could never pick him off. Oh, it's not because he was so, a liner. Yes, and not, not even because he's a bad guy or he's a jerk or anything like that, just because, yeah, like I just could never pick him off. So I'm a little salty about that. Steve, Steve just looked over at me and pointed no, at was, me like he, I, would, like he was going to, like, like of all radio guys, no. I'm the one he wants to slap. No, the, so. the, I think the interesting <laughs> thing is that Stanford had to think about it, and I had, like, all of a sudden, like, 53 people yeah. who I've worked with or interviewed who annoyed me. I'm like, yep, those are all candidates. So we, did, we just think differently. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, and also, I'm a fake tough guy. Uh, Stanford can actually be a real tough guy. So last thing on the AFC championship, you watch Cincinnati. 
Are they the yes. best team remaining? The best team remaining of in the final all four. of the playoffs? Of the Final Four, yep. Oh, I think that they probably have the most high-octane, potent offense because of the quarterback, Joe Burrow. As far as the best quarterback, as far as the best team in the Final Four, I think that I think they have a very good case for it, but something about that 49ers defense is very intriguing. I love what D'Amico Ryans has been able to do, and obviously we know Kyle Shanahan is the quarterback whisperer. We know that. And then with the Philadelphia Eagles, they have a great team assembled from top to bottom. Obviously, that run game, Nick Sirianni has them uh, uh, firing off all cylinders. We see A.J. Brown, another Pro Bowl season as a receiver, and then Jalen Hurts, the starter in the Pro Bowl, coming up next week out there. So I probably would have to wait till after Sunday but I think that definitely Cincinnati has a strong case. And uh, in my opinion, uh, Joe Burrow, the best remaining quarterback in the playoffs, just because we see Pat Mahomes is hobbled. So Cincinnati is right up there. Not really sure that I would go ahead and just anoint them just yet, but I'm looking for them to beat the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. Yes, I am. If Mahomes isn't injured in any way, shape, or form, are the Chiefs, does that change your? the complexion of it for you as it changes the, the complexion of the game because you're going to have to pressure Mahomes differently but not the best team remaining. healthy but as far as far as being as far as the Cincinnati Bengals being the better team in my opinion no that would not change anything because the Cincinnati Bengals and this is Joe Burrow Jamar Chase T uh, Tyler Boyd T Higgins Joe Mixon all of them think about this just think about this today is January 27th since January 3rd, 2022, just in the last 13 months, Joe Burrow is 3-0 against Pat Mahomes. 3-0. Yep. So that right there signifies that Cincinnati is the team to beat in the AFC, and that's why I'm picking them to win on Sunday, regardless of, uh, regardless of, Steve, of Pat Mahomes being healthy, regardless of him being hobbled, injured, all of that, I'm still going with Cincinnati no matter what. Stanford Route is with Cofield and Company. Last uh, 90 seconds here. Eagles and Niners, awesome defenses. I, I, I think they're going to limit opportunities. This game could look a lot like last week's Niners-Cowboys game. If it comes down to you know, one of the quarterbacks having to make a couple of plays, who do you have more trust in, Purdy or Hurts? Uh, I, I have more trust in Brock Purdy. Not because Whoa. he's a better quarterback right now than Jalen Hurts, but because of Kyle Shanahan because of D'Amico Ryans that I think is going to do a good job of slowing down that offensive attack. So I'm picking San Francisco to come out victorious in this game against the Philadelphia Eagles because of the scheme, because of the coaching. That's why I would go ahead and say that. But we all know Jalen Hurts right now, better quarterback than a Brock Purdy. Stanford, enjoy the games this weekend. We appreciate all your input, and uh, we definitely want you on again next week. And Super Bowl week, we got the Pro Bowl games, whatever that is here in Vegas, and then uh, looking forward to the Super Bowl. So have a good weekend. Oh, no doubt about it. You guys be good. Talk to you next week. There he is, Stanford Route, the former Raider, Oakland Raider. So we move on to hour two right here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Want to remind you, again, a big weekend on Saturday for the Running Rebels and the Lady Rebels. Lady Rebels game starts at 2. Running Rebels go at 7. $2 beers available. you got to buy tickets for the Lady Rebels. That's a $2 beer special at the Lady Rebels game against Nevada. 2 o'clock start. Uh, dollar tickets are available. you got to purchase by today. Free T-shirts go to the first 2,500 folks. 
the Runner Rebels game. They've got the Fan Fest out front. For students, free Raisin Canes. More T-shirts go out at the men's game. Go to UNLVTickets.com. They both want massive support. We know the students are going to show up uh, in this rivalry spot against the pack. So get your tickets now. Lady Rebels at 2 o'clock. Runner Rebels at 7 o'clock against the Wolfpack.